Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Join me in celebrating Women's History Month. On March 27th, I'm hosting a special virtual event for her by her presented by Fiverr. We'll be spotlighting and interviewing some of the most successful female business owners and their experiences with Fiverr. In the U.S., women are driving growth, and each year that percentage increases. Women-led startups have more than doubled since 2020, and from 2019 to 2023, women-owned businesses' growth rate outpaced the rate of men's in new businesses, employment, and revenue. In this panel discussion, you'll hear from top female business owners who have not only started their own companies, but cater to women through their products and services. Don't miss out. Head to bossproject.com slash RSVP and save your seat for this empowering event created by women for women. It's free to attend. I can't wait to see you there. That's bossproject.com slash RSVP. This message is sponsored and brought to you by Fiverr. Before I jump into today's episode, I wanted to give you a little life update that I am currently in the midst of redecorating my office, i.e. moving from a closet that I've been working in for the last three years into a proper office. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes, but also pictures of my fabulous new desk, then you definitely need to be following me over on my personal Instagram at Abigail Says. It's A-B-A-G-A-I-L-S-A-Y-S. Abigail Says, i.e. spelled normally, except it's an A instead of an I in Abigail. Okay. Awesome. Now, jumping into today's episode, I want to take you back and tell you a little story about how I left corporate and launched my business going on eight years ago now. And if I were to do it again today, what I might be doing a bit differently. Now, I think it's important to, before we talk about what ultimately led me to starting and what were the steps that I took to make this an easy process... I do want to share a little bit about my experience in the working world because I led a whole life and a whole career before I started this business. And it was developmental into who I am and how I run business today, whether it provided a unique example of things I wanted to model or things I wanted to absolutely not do in my own business. Now, I went to school to be a designer, a graphic designer specifically mostly as an act of rebellion. My parents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or an architect or something quote-unquote professional. Both of them were trained as engineers originally before they ultimately went on disability. And I think in a lot of ways, they wanted me to be the success story that maybe perhaps they didn't have. Now, that being said, my mom's specific resume before she ran into health issues in her 30s was seriously the most interesting resume I've ever seen to date. 
And I remember as a high schooler thinking, if I can have a resume as diverse as my mom, I will have made it. She tried a bunch of things, everything from working for a hand surgeon to inventing and patenting a product to selling a company and everything in between. And I was so inspired by her. And so while I did ultimately go to art school to prove a point, (laughs) I did want to be successful. And when I left college, I had picked what I thought would be the most practical art degree I could get. I got a degree in graphic design because at the time, this is really going to date me, Design was moving from a paper art, i.e. like cut and paste, painting, drawing, etc., into digital. So Adobe was still fairly new. I learned on some of the most early editions of that software and technically learned a lot about Adobe in high school, but it was still very new to be designing digitally. And so having that skill was a professional skill. There wasn't tools like Canva back then. They just simply didn't exist. And so if you needed design or art, so to speak, for your business, you had to hire a professional or an agency to do it for you. There just was not accessible tools to everyday consumers then. And so it felt like an opportunity to protect my future because I was worried that if I got a degree in photography, that I would be busy every night and weekend for the rest of my life. Or if I switched my major to pottery, that I would be in a barn somewhere throwing pots all day and like living every weekend at shows and not really have a life. And so I felt like I could have a career and do the things. And so I went out into the working world and I tried a lot of things really fast because I didn't know what kind of environment I wanted to be in. And so it was important to me to try a bunch of different things. Now, some of this was by choice and some of it was just the way life unfolded for me. But I worked in a small agency followed by higher education. So I ended up working at a university in their marketing department. I did a lot of work for museums, but also admissions for the university. I then went on to start my own business on the side, but like very, very, very on the side while I was looking for jobs in Kansas City, to which I ended up landing in a large scale financial firm and was an in-house designer. This was a wholesale financial firm for those of you who are familiar with the financial industry. And so they had a fleet of agents, but they were independent agents. So they weren't selling under a product like, I can't think of a good example right now. They weren't selling under a specific business name. They were independent agents with their own licenses and own businesses with their own financials. And they used our wholesale group to buy from a variety of industries. Anyway, I was in-house marketing for them which meant I got exposed to both marketing for a billion dollar company, but also marketing for these small individual businesses. I was then recruited out of that job to work for a startup engineering firm in Kansas City. And I thought this was my opportunity to like really make a name for myself 
and move forward and do all these cool things. And three months later, some things happened and we'll get into that. But I do want to talk about some of the challenges and frustrations that I faced in corporate because I know many of you can relate to these things, whether this has been your experience or something you've witnessed. I will say that there was a lot of things that gave me the ick, you know, the big ick. Part of it is I was so young. I was straight out of school. I graduated early, so I was extra young. (laughs) And I looked at I tried to dress 45 when I was 18. That was a little trendy to like, you know, go to the bars looking like you had just left a corporate meeting, but also meant I just didn't know how to show up in the corporate world. And I faced a lot of ageism. Most jobs I was in, there was this huge gap because I was essentially the first group that was being hired successfully after the recession. And so it meant there was a giant gaping hole in middle management. And there was these C-suite people or director level people that were 15, 20 years my senior. And I was coming in where I was supposed to at the bottom, but because there was no one in the middle, I got treated like a child. And it was so frustrating. Like, constantly feeling like I'm an adult and I have ideas and I'm ready to bring them to the table and you continue to put me down and like treat me like your kid. And it was a not appropriate, but also incredibly frustrating to try to make changes and get my ideas seen and heard. Also, as a woman, I found I was up against a lot of barriers and either because I was a woman, I got these tasks on my table that were pretty administrative, or frankly, like not part of my job description, like watering the plants. (laughs) I also was passed over for jobs. And I remember specifically this experience where I had applied for a management position because my manager was leaving. And she was five to seven years older than me. And she had got the position when she was essentially my age and with the same level of experience. And so I was like, this is my chance. She's primed me for this. I got this and I applied for the job. And because so many people were unemployed, people were applying who had been in the industry for decades for these jobs that they were incredibly overqualified for. And so I got passed up for several promotions, but specifically one that stung a lot. And it was that point where I was like, "Mm, I think I'm ready for something else. I think I need to get out of here. And I just didn't necessarily know how. I also witnessed a lot of shady shit. Like I had some incredible jobs that were really developmental and people mentored me, but I also had some where I was scared, like literally scared that I was going to be called into court because I was concerned people were breaking federal law. I have since I had that experience, have followed up with a coworker. This was years, years later. And I was like, there were times when I really thought I should call the FBI because I was pretty confident we were 
not we as in me, but we as in this company doing things that were not appropriate. (laughs) And he's like, you shut up. And he totally validated that what I was seeing was not only real, but completely not okay. And so I think there's so much about our past that we can make out to be something that we're supposed to like trudge through or like become a better version of ourselves because we've been through. And I feel more centered now that some of the things I witnessed early in my career were not okay and not appropriate. I also ran into some narcissistic leaders. I'll call them that for lack of a better term because I don't want to call people out by name that really created unhealthy company cultures, whether that of like complete, like micromanagement cultures where they're watching everything all of the time and you're scared to just be a full human or unnecessary, unreasonable expectations about what can be accomplished in a short period of time. And that was so frustrating. But I don't want to just say that it was all bad because it wasn't. I learned so many skills that started my career with a huge leg up. You know, I saw businesses that were the size of five people that were working on lean budgets who had leads go up and down and had financial challenges and were trying new projects and trying a bunch of things to make a business work. And I worked in billion dollar companies where Money was everywhere and people were using company cards to go on bougie, you know, night drinking things (laughs) for lack of a better term and, you know, do all these crazy stuff. But I really did garner a lot of skills that gave me a leg up. I learned about landing pages and email funnels and good quality copywriting and web development and developed websites from scratch and also developed huge websites that absolutely needed to be developed by a backend developer because there was a bunch of compliance involved. I had a ton of experience in branding. And I think one of the ones that is hugely under talked about is production. I did so much work so quickly, like hundreds of projects a month that really set me up to a, like have a level of acceptance that perfect is not achievable, but you can put out a really great quality product in a short period of time and test things and experiment and see what's going to be effective. It also was very early in me being exposed to what is the online business education industry. I remember watching one of my first, you know, webinars and seeing Amy Porterfield. I definitely remember learning about funnels before anyone knew who Russell Brunson or ClickFunnels was. So it was definitely developmental and that I got to see all of these things that would grow into industries all their own. And there would be all this sass and all of this education built up around them. And I know you guys are facing your own challenges in 2023. And I don't want to say that it's going to be the same 
as it was in 2015 to start a business. It's not. You guys have different challenges, but you also have these incredible technological advancements that didn't exist. CRMs that you guys use every day were a spreadsheet for me. You know, the ability to bill online and collect payment, I was doing paper contracts and physical checks through the mail. And so there's all of these things that have changed and made working for yourself easier than ever. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Today's podcast is sponsored by Squarespace, the only all-in-one website platform we use and recommend to our clients. Squarespace makes it easy to create beautiful websites, engage with your audience, and sell your products and services all in one place. Visit squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace has professional website templates with designs for nearly every category and use case. Start with a flexible template, then customize it to fit your unique needs. With Squarespace extensions, you can connect your website to vetted third-party tools to fully customize your website exactly the way you want it. Whether you sell services, products, or digital items, Squarespace has the tools you need for your online store. You can now host your videos on Squarespace and show them on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your videos with member areas. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash boss project to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash boss project. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But it also means that more people are entering the business space than ever before. And I know while I disagree that there's such a thing as like being fully saturated to the point that you cannot quote unquote get work, there's always someone who's looking for what you offer. I will say there are just more people doing what you're doing. And so people have more choice. And so I do think in some ways the dollars per business have gone down Whereas you saw more businesses get much larger, much faster earlier on. Also, since COVID, more people than ever are working from home. And it's no longer unique to being an entrepreneur or being a business owner to work from home. It used to be that if you work from home, you were the odd man out. Well, now a huge portion of the workforce is working from home. You also have all of these tools at your fingertips that allow for easy collaboration with clients, whether that's using a tool like Marker to get feedback on a website design, AI to spit out new content and generate ideas, whether it's the cloud to share files and make offboarding easy. There's so many things that make working today simpler, but also it also has sped up the environment so that you are required to know so many more things so much more quickly than I had to. Now, my transition into corporate wasn't necessarily planned. (laughs) I think a lot of people either choose this life very intentionally or it's dropped in their lap and they're forced to make a change. And for me, I had been recently recruited into a new position at a startup and had been there less than three months. And I was told on a random Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, the day is honestly unimportant, that our entire marketing department was being laid off simultaneously to my complete shock. You know, was there turnover in this environment? Sure. But It wasn't to the point that I anticipated or expected being let go. Like, not at all. It was very, very, very much a surprise. But I knew I wanted to make a plan. I felt like this was my opportunity. And I decided in that moment that this was a shift and I had to pay attention. I could either call my old boss and get my job back. I could use those connections that I had built over the last eight years and find a new job in a new industry. I could go to agency, but my day-to-day life would be quite different. Or I could use this as an opportunity to leverage the future growth of what would be my business. And so I decided to take that opportunity. But I remember very clearly a conversation. I sat my spouse down And I said, hey, this just happened and it sucks, but I was given a 30-day window and 
I think I should try this thing. You know, at this point, what was then Think Creative had been on the side since college. I was doing little projects for people since the day I graduated. The moment someone finds out you're a graphic designer, people were asking for things. Because like I said, back then, they simply did not have the knowledge or access. So if you had Photoshop and InDesign, you had a leg up that other businesses didn't have. And so they would ask you for things. And so I was taking quote unquote, like freelance work for years, but it was like very, very minimal. You know, some of my first jobs, I literally charged $75 for. And so I told my spouse, I want to do this. And I think I can do it full time. I just need clients. And I don't totally know what that looks like, but can we work on a 90 day time crunch? Like, can we figure this out together? If I don't make up what I need to financially for this family in 90 days, I will go look for a job. Now, this would normally, you know, not be a huge risk, but my spouse had really struggled to get work. And on multiple occasions had already had long periods where he was unemployed. And part of that was people weren't building after the recession in 2008. So the idea of getting in, going into an architecture firm, they were working with highly overqualified people in a really slim environment for the few jobs that were out there. And it took some time before they started building again, which is why we have a housing crisis now, but sorry for another day. And so the thought of me who had been the financial breadwinner and for sure this one with a stable job throughout our marriage, you know, even though we were early in our marriage, it felt like a big risk. But we also just didn't have a lot to worry about. Like in the grand scheme of things, we were still newly married. We had this teeny tiny cracker box of a house and we had very purposely bought it so that if one of us had a job, we could pay our mortgage. And that job could have been Chipotle. Like we didn't have to have corporate level income to sustain the household that we had purchased. And we were used to living on very little. <laughs> you know, my first office was quite literally a lawn chair and a five gallon bucket turned upside down with my laptop on top of it. I wish I was joking. There are pictures to prove this exists. And we had no furniture for like the first two years of our marriage. We ate on the floor for a very long time. Us buying our first couch was a huge freaking deal. And so the thought of me just being like, don't worry about it. We can just not make 60000 a year and I'm going to go start my business. Honestly, looking back, it's kind of hilarious because the audacity that I had. But here's the thing. In the environment I was in, I was constantly under pressure. I was constantly challenged and I was constantly rising to the occasion. And so my self-confidence was higher than it had ever been. And I was also used to being shot down all the time. So this was the first time where I was like, I not only do I believe I can do it, but I believe I can do it so well that no one can stop me. And the audacity and the ego definitely served me because 
I didn't really worry about all the things that were at risk for myself. I just took the leap and said, I'm going to do this thing. And I had 30 days. So 30 days before I was going to be completely let go. And they didn't have work for me. They just basically stopped all projects, but I had to report to my job. And they told me I was supposed to be looking for a job while I was at work. And I was like, BS, I'm using this time to do what I need to do to build this business. And previous to that, I had spent years of being terrified to do any outside work at my desk. But I just didn't care anymore. I was like, you already told me I was gone. What's the worst you're going to do? Tell me to leave early? Like, whatever. I was just not concerned. And so I did what I know how to do best. You know, in the past, these same skills are exactly what landed me promotions, what landed me in new jobs, what allowed me to change cities, or even kind of jump industries, despite having a similar job title throughout all of those things. And that was my network. My network was critical to all of those changes. And so I leveraged things like LinkedIn and immediately got meetings. Now, my initial meetings were not meant to be potential clients. They were simply to be with people I saw as mentors to A, ask advice, and B, see if they knew anyone who could connect me with potential clients. And in less than 30 days, I had built a website, which I honestly didn't really need because I just didn't. I put literally zero portfolio on this thing and said I was going to build websites and branding on it, which is so funny. It was Think Creative KC at the time, for those of you who want to go back in time with me. And my goal was to do branding and websites and literally any other project (laughs) that someone would throw my way. I was not picky about the kind of design work I would do and ended up doing everything from business cards to billboards and everything in between. But those initial clients taught me so much. You know, in less than 30 days, I completely replaced my corporate salary. And I was like, dang. This is so much easier than I expected, only to be slapped in the face two months later, only making $75 (laughs) that July and thinking that I was going to get sued by the end of it. Story for another day. But that initial success definitely taught me that I can do it. And while it faced, I felt like it was hard. It was like an easy heart, a flowy heart, a lots of work, but I got this hard you know? And so I leveraged that, those personal connections to find people who were interested and definitely started looking for my own clients. And the goal was to find clients from like a sustainable source. Like I wanted endless leads. I didn't want to have to think about where my clients were coming from. I wanted to just do the work. I wanted to be a designer. And early on, I leveraged another design company to get me those leads and then ultimately got connected with what's called the Innovation Kitchen in Kansas City, who technically in independence, but they were for food startups. And this was like literally my dream, you guys, my dream. 
all I wanted to do when I went to design school was design like food packaging and cereal boxes. I thought whoever designs the stuff that goes on the store shelves at the grocery store is living the dream, right? I was so so freaking excited about it. And the Innovation Kitchen gave me a ton of my early clients. And so did this other small business that was further along than I was. And I was able to leverage those connections and put myself in the right mindset to see success. But that was so long ago (laughs) that I know right now you're like, cool, cool, cool. So you called a few people and got some clients and people just handed you leads. That's not what's happening in 2023. I hear you, truly. I was in the weirdest bubble and I will totally admit that. 2015 was like the rise of the girl boss era. People wanted to support small business. I got a lot of early traction and the traction I got with branding and marketing clients led me to talk more about my success online, which led to the development of Think Creative Collective, which ultimately became Boss Project and things took off. So like, what would I do if I were doing this now? One First of all, I would not worry about being as big. I was like, think huge all the time. I wanted to make a huge impact. I wanted to touch a ton of people. I did want to design. I did want to like do these cool projects, but I was way more interested in helping women than I was in designing another website. And today, knowing what I know now, do I think the impact is incredible? and amazing? Absolutely. Am I going to stop? No. But if I had known how much responsibility that it puts on me, even if it's self-induced, I would do something so much simpler. And I would worry primarily about creating enough income for myself and then building a small team so that if I needed time away, the business could still run, but not such a big team that I'm making this giant overhead challenge for myself to always be meeting the operating expenses. So what would I do today if I were leaving corporate and building my own business? Well, first of all, I definitely would be leveraging online platforms, but things are different now. In 2015, you leverage those platforms to build an audience and get free organic eyeballs on the things that you're doing. Right now, your reach is small, but your opportunity for depth is huge. And so I would focus on relationships, but utilize online to meet those people. Ultimately, who you know is still the name of the game, whether you're talking about 2015 or 2023. And so who you know does matter, but working to develop these relationships would be my number one priority. And I would do it with people that I think aren't going to pay attention to me and everyone in between, because, you know, you just never know who's going to resonate And so I would worry less about if they already have a big name or if they're already successful or if they already have all the clients that I hope to one day have, or if they're small and just getting started and getting early traction, I would worry less about like how successful these people are and instead find who my people are, who is going to resonate with me. And part of that, that relationship building isn't just for connections 
for my own visibility. It would also be for customer acquisition because building those relationships is key. So where are my ideal customers hanging out online? I would spend more time there. Are they using a certain hashtag? Are they staying in a certain community? Are they embracing new technology? Are they jumping on new social media platforms like threads? Like what are they utilizing? And how can I show up in the place that they are and connect with them where they're at? I would continue to utilize social media, but I wouldn't put this huge emphasis on it looking a certain way. In 2015, the flat lay and like beautifully edited images and all of that was what worked. And right now being your whole self is what people want. Now, I still struggle with it because I love the beautifully edited images. And that hasn't changed for me despite how people have interacted, you know, despite the changes in engagement. I still love beautiful photographs that are perfectly edited and feel curated. I like the curation. I'm a designer. Like that is literally in my DNA. And so if I could let go of some of that, I would embrace posting the ugly and and talking about what life is like. Now, I do think there's some opportunities for you to really embrace new communities and getting to know people is just as important then as it is now. There's new industry events. Like back in the day, there were mostly huge, huge events that were for corporate businesses. And there was very little for virtually self-employed type people. That, that, that was just not really a thing. Since then, there's been a rise of special events led companies and even people who I would say are more coaches who've had their own events and that became super popular. And then the whole thing like shut down, like never seen before with COVID, which you all know that, but things are coming back online in person. (laughs) You're starting to see more of those things pop up. And so I wouldn't hesitate to go. I miss being places and I miss seeing people. And I know I plan to personally still do that, you know, even though I'm further along in my business and have been operating for a longer period of time. But I would embrace this idea of experimentation. I know early on the willingness to try anything that was even loosely related to what I was doing served me so well. And I found out what I was good at, what I liked doing, what I could build a process around and things that were just slow and took too much time or wasn't a right fit from a personality perspective. Now, if you were to scale your business, because I think building and scaling in 2023 is different than transitioning. Transitioning, you've got to create those relationships. You've got to develop the community that you're going to be a part of so that you can build client awareness and so that you can create connection for the marketing. But if you're building and scaling, things are simply different. If you're in the build phase, it depends. Are you in the build part of building your product line or offers the service that you plan to put out into the world? Are you building the backend systems to make that all work? Are you building the client experience? What's your focus? 
I think it's really easy to want to do a lot of a lot (laughs) and slowing down is so essential to building up. And so I would be so much less focused on getting there quickly and way more focused on how do I get there in a way that feels in alignment with how I want to show up. Now, if I'm scaling a business, this is way more about infrastructure and who's on my team and how do I want to get there. And I would think about what are the essential people I need on my team to provide the quality service that I want to put out into the world, but also who are going to allow me opportunities to not always be the one fulfilling on the work. And those two things would make a huge difference. And if you're in the building phase, the incubator may be right for you. And if you're in the scaling phase and hiring, then C-suite on demand may be right for you. But I would also be exploring possibilities. Because even if you're established, even if you're already in the weeds, you cannot be afraid to embrace new things. And I'm not talking about trends because trends are here today, gone tomorrow. I'm talking about emerging technologies. Ultimately, the internet was still new for small business when I started. Like we were less than a decade into it being even an option. Early on in my career, many of my clients had never had a website before and they had been in business for decades. That is wild to think about and also just not where we're at. Most of the people today have websites. You know, they've been online. They've done things themselves. They've even designed things themselves, right? Like if I were entering the world as a designer, I would have a totally different set of challenges today than I did in 2015. But I wouldn't be afraid to embrace technology. And AI is the biggest change in technology since the start of the internet. And I'm going to guess it's going to be even bigger than the impact of the internet, which is a lot to process in a very short period of time because it's all coming at us so quickly. I also know virtual reality is here to stay. What it looks like for our industry specifically, I think is still yet to be told, but I would be paying attention. I'd also be leveraging data. I think early on, there was not a good way to like even know if things were resonating, but you have more data than ever before about who's opening what and tagging and opportunities to see engagement and percentages and customer insights and demographics. And that can drive growth and innovation moving forward. I think before we were driving blindly in so many ways, and we were just hoping something would stick and resonate. And really the only way if we knew it was working is if we got sales. But you have so many earlier opportunities for insights to see if something is validated before you even go down that road. And it doesn't necessarily mean you need a huge social following to make this effective. I've seen multi-million dollar companies have no social media presence. So it's not about social engagement, but I do think data is going to be a huge driver for the long term. And there's easier ways than ever to gather it. And it's how are you going to use it and interpret it and make it fuel for moving forward. Now, I will say one of the biggest things I've learned along the way the importance of continuous learning because 
the business I started is not the business I have today. And I pivoted sometimes because I got bored or I wanted to try new things. But I also pivoted a lot of times because things weren't working or things that were working were no longer working or buyer behavior changed or I had access to a new room or whatever. And so I continued to learn and adapt and try things and rapidly evolve and get myself out into the world. Now, if you are wanting to leave corporate and this is feeling like your big chance, maybe you were recently laid off like I was, give yourself a plan. Do yourself a service and spend some time thinking about what your offer is going to look like. Who are you going to offer it to? But how can you experiment with it? Like, don't be so rigid in your decision-making. Give yourself room to play. Give yourself room to explore and see what else is out there. And if you're looking to leave, I'm curious what's on your top of mind. I really want to know. So send me a message over on my personal Instagram at Abigail Says or at Boss Project. And just let me know what are the things you feel like you're up against today? And how might we be able to help? I'm here to provide resources and give you recommendations as you continue to explore what this might look like now and into the future. And if you're in that building or scaling phase, I'd love to chat. So you can find time on my calendar if you go to bossproject.com slash waitlist. And we can talk about what's next for you and your business. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.